Hello and welcome to Thoughts in the Hoops. My name is Laura Bradburn and it is good to see everybody again this week. Um, yep, everybody get in the chat, time to say hello. Um, it's really good to be back. Really good to be back to see you all. Um, it's been an eventful few weeks. Um, want to say thanks very much, first of all, for all the support uh, on the the interview with Tony Haggerty. Uh, went down really well with everybody. It's great to have shared the platform with Tony again, as I said on the podcast the last time. Um, that's a couple of years since we actually spent some time uh, chatting Celtic uh, on a podcast and a platform like that. So um, it was really good to get um, get reacquainted online. Obviously, we keep in touch offline, but uh, it was good to be in touch and, uh, and and talk all things Celtic, as we both love to do. Um, plenty to talk about this week. Obviously, we've got the signing of Nicholas Kuhn to talk about. I've uh, got potential outgoings. Matt O'Reilly has been linked with a move to Girona in Spain. And um, we've got, obviously, the return to action against Bucky Thistle to consider. So um, get in the chat. Let me know what, what you're up to, um, what you're doing tonight, how you're feeling about things at Celtic at the moment, um, and, and what what you think is going to happen um, going forward. Um, first and foremost, just want to say um, thanks very much uh, to um, to uh, what is considered to be one of the first brands uh, to get in touch with me for um, uh, to be seen on the channel, and it's Upper Tier Clothing. Um, I'm sporting one of their items just now. As you can see, this um, homage to 1967 hoodie. They're a, a up-and-coming clothing brand um, that contacted me through Instagram, and I really love their stuff. Um, you can you can view their stuff on Instagram and get a, a look at their website through there and um, there will be a link in the description at the end of this video. Um, I'll just show you some of their stuff that they've got here. So although obviously for obvious reasons I'm wearing the Celtic stuff, they've got stuff themed to all over Scottish football and international football. They are just a brand new company but they are um, just getting started out. And um, yeah, if you like what you see when you go on there, uh, give them a wee follow on their social medias. And um, if you like any of the stuff, then then uh, give them a give them a a look and see if there's anything you want to buy. They they they're one of these brands who uh, I think I really like because um, they've got kind of those designs where it's like if you know you know kind of thing. So there's a lot of people maybe. Uh, like that kind of retro type football stuff and, and and they do it really really well so thanks very much for the hoodie that they sent over um, uh, and really I would advise everybody to go and have a look if it's the type of thing that you're interested in um, but we'll get started on football which is what we're here to talk about Nicholas Kuhn arrived from um, from Rapid Vienna he is uh, uh, as far as I'm aware um, a, predominantly a right winger but can play across um, the number 10 position and out on the left wing listen to his interview and all that um, during the during the week there and um, I have to say the, the club are really going all out with promoting this signing they, they obviously think that this guy is going to be big news and, and I'm excited to see him come in um, there is obviously the suggestion of kind of is he do we need another winger kind of thing? That's that's my only concern. Um, but 
But listen, we've been we've been crying out for signings, um, and, and so we can't complain when there's a signing actually arise. In fact, Celtic did a very Celtic thing and announced the signing of of Kuhn. Uh, about an hour after I started complaining that we hadn't seen any signings yet. So, um, can you thank me for that one? I don't think you can thank me for that one, but um, it's definitely really, really good to see him um, in, in a Celtic strip. I've been having a little look at his uh, numbers and his stats and things like that. Now, obviously, it's very difficult when you've not watched a guy regularly to figure out whether he is... Um, going to be exactly what the team needs but one aspect of our play that we have had a problem with this season is getting service to Kyogo um partly because of the injury to Maeda maybe partly because of Palma having to try and find his feet Yang maybe not proven up to it the wide areas really have caused us an issue so what you would hope for with Kuhn um is is that he's going to make that impact and come in and make those those big differences in terms of assists and things like that, because he, he definitely looks like a guy. I heard him say in the press conference that he he sort of idolised Messi and Ronaldinho growing up, and they were very much, uh, Messi still is, but Ronaldinho was very much or almost as much about supplying as he was scoring. So I'm excited to see what he brings to the team. Um, He has managed to make a fair number of um appearances for um for for Rapid Vienna this season. I think 20, 22 appearances. He's stayed injury-free. So um, there, there's all that to consider, which is obviously a good start to things. And and the fact of the matter is as well, the guy's, the guy's been at Ajax and Bayern Munich and in their academies and and and, and certainly in the case of Bayern Munich, he was recognised to be talented enough to actually be taken from Ajax to Bayern Munich. So there's got to be some form of talent there. And regardless of the reasons why it might not have worked out at those clubs, um, there's definitely enough talent to suggest we should be uh, making the most of it. Um, Martin Clark says, uh, good evening from Dublin. Uh, Martin, I've got family over in Dublin. I love the city. I was over there in September uh, last year. Last year now, 2024 we're in. Um, 2023 September I was there. Uh, I said a couple of weeks ago, I think I scared myself witless on the rides at Tato Park. So I won't be doing that again, but I will be back in the city at some point. Um, and uh, Mark McDonald says in relation to Kuhn, hoping he's not a badder's replacement. The Abada situation is a very strange one because for obvious reasons, um, there was an assumption with Abada that we'd seen his last game in a Celtic shirt. He had the injury. There was... Um, matters outside of football that were influencing whether he would um, ever be seen in a Celtic shirt again and then Brendan Rodgers made noises to suggest that no absolutely he would be seen in a Celtic shirt again he's received reassurances from the club and from the manager that that he would um, be supported and protected and, 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 and all of that kind of stuff and any supporter I've spoken to has said that Abada um, would receive that support from the cl- from from the support and the and the club, so I don't think anybody's wanting him to leave. But you know, I, I would hate to be in his position in terms of the pressure he must be getting from some quarters back home. Um, it's not an easy decision for him to make, and I wouldn't hold it against him if he did decide to go elsewhere. But but um, certainly, if we could hold on to him in terms of talent levels alone, uh, that would be fantastic. Back to Kuhn, though, I mean. 
I said it before, I think that um, far too often at Celtic we find ourselves in a position where we bring players in uh, and they are injured when they come in or they're not up to match fitness or they're not and these lists of excuses and reasons are made why they can't go straight into the team now I've been thinking about it and I've been looking at Kuhn and I've been looking at the calendar and I've been looking at all that kind of stuff he's not injured as far as I'm aware he's been playing regularly for Rapid Vienna this season um pre-season or having to have a kind of pre-season is not an issue because we're in the middle of the season and to be fair to and to um to be fair to um Bucky Thistle they're not an opposition that we should fear in any way so my personal preference is I would like to see Kuhn in from the start against Bucky Thistle I think he needs to hit the ground running and you know, get a couple of ducks off his back if he can get a goal or if he can get an assist or both um, against Bucky Thistle, that would be um, fantastic. So um, I, I really hope that that's the case. Um, Martin says, um, Abada hasn't said anything, it's all paper talk and Kuhn isn't a finished product by any means. So it looks like from what you're suggesting there, Martin, that there is going to be room for both of them there. Um I, I, and I certainly hope so. Well, there's a familiar face or a familiar name in the comments there. Um, a Celtic state of mind, Paul, I presume it is you on the comments there, says, um, a good point made on Axom earlier in the comments, not by me, was that Kuhn can play through the middle. Decent cover for that position, but I'd still like to see another striker brought in. Yeah, I think, do you know, actually, there's a bit of me that would like to see if we could, if it is another wide player we bring in or if Kuhn comes in and Abada gets back up to speed and we've got Palma for the wide areas, maybe we can use Maeda as an alternative striker option because I spoke to Liam Carrigan about this a couple of weeks ago. There is a, a kind of um, somewhat widely held belief that maybe Celtic don't utilise Maeda properly by putting him out wide and actually tends to play through the middle for Japan. Obviously at the Asia Cup, um, He's, he's still a little bit coming back from injury, so we haven't seen the most of him at the Asia Cup that we thought we might have. But certainly when he plays for Japan, he does tend to play through the middle. So maybe there's an option that if we keep bringing these wide players in, um, then then Maeda can be an option going through the middle. But it'll be interesting to see. Even with that, I do agree. I think a, a, another striker would be needed because I don't think... I, I'm starting to get to the point where I don't think O is going to be... Uh, the best option for us in general, um, and and really, you know, I, I always say this. I really, really worry about Kyogo's shoulder. I really think we're but a heavy challenge or a tumble away from um, from an injury to Kyogo. And if that happens, then we're um, we're we're in bother because, as we all say, um, you know, Kyogo is potentially the best striker we've had since Henrik Larsson. Um, I, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm being a bit too um, cautious in that statement. He, he's absolutely the best striker we've had since Larsson, I think, in terms of talent and in terms of ability and, and all that kind of stuff. The numbers are never going to catch up to Larsson unless he stays for seven years, which at the age he's at is unlikely, but he certainly um, has that ability to... Um, or, or, or has the has the right to be involved in the conversation with Larson in terms of 
you know the the esteem with which he's held amongst the support. So um, to lose him would be a massive blow, and and yeah, certainly a striker is what we need. Kuhn, I think there was mention that Kuhn could potentially be played in a striker's position, but um, certainly when he spoke in the press conference, he was very much talking about you know playing out right wide right as his main position but being able to cross play across those three attacking midfield positions so it didn't sound like he was particularly keen on going up front himself but to have that versatility across those three positions is, is absolutely fantastic um uh yeah martin saying uh he doesn't think we need a new striker but um and he would move maeda off the wing as he can't hit a barn door <laughs> and kyogo is best since larson you say Edward was above Kyogo. I don't know. Get in the comments, guys. See if you agree with that. For me, for me, it's Kyogo above Edward. But I mean, this is what we're all here for. This is the nature of these discussions. You could talk to the cows come home. The one thing everybody agrees is Larson is the greatest. If you saw the new um, Celtic women's manager, uh, her name escapes me at the moment, but I do know that she's Swedish. And she did say, uh, Henry Larson's is the king of kings, right? Maybe I can be the queen of queens. So uh, whether that whether that happens or not, I don't know. But uh, we'll wait and see. Thanks very much for, for everybody who's watching so far. Um, it's Friday night. We are but 48 hours away, just less than 48 hours away from a return to action for Celtic. I know that everybody watching this um, before... Uh, uh, sorry, during or after the live stream will be itching, absolutely itching for Celtic to get back. We're kind of lost without it, and it's um, and it's 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 really a massive part of our lives that are missing when Celtic aren't playing. But in the meantime, you can uh, you can listen to thoughts in the hoops either on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. Subscribe or follow whatever you like to do that. And you can go back and listen to what what are now nine other episodes of the podcast. This is number 10. And uh, there's plenty more content to come, hopefully. Um, moving on to the second topic that I wanted to discuss. Now, I want to start this by saying I tweeted something out um, during the during the week. And, and I want to start by saying this. This was this was the tweet here. It was um Someone at the press conference with Kuhn told him that Celtic hadn't had a German who had made a massive impact. And I said, am I wrong in saying that contributing 15 league appearances to the team that won the first title in a decade is massive? Now, I want to start by saying I'm not out here to witch hunt on any individual. I know how unpleasant that is. Um, and so for the person who made the statement that they made, it it wasn't a factual statement. It was a statement of opinion because the person was talking about whether, essentially, although they stated it as a fact, they were voicing their opinion as to whether there had been a German who had made a massive impact, and their opinion on that was no. My suspicion is that the person who made the statement either forgot about Andreas Tom or didn't know about Andreas Tom because of age. Because I... Even though I'm still a relatively young supporter, I like to think of myself as relatively young. Um, it's easy to forget that people who are maybe even 10 years younger, who are still of an age where they can come out into the, the journalistic workforce and all that, that they might not remember somebody like Andreas Tom. But I want to talk a little bit about the guy because 
he sprung to mind, and everybody was mentioned, yeah, Andreas Hinkle as well, but Andreas Tom sprung to mind for me very, very quickly. And the reason he did was because, um, uh, well, for a start, uh, as a kid, he was part of the first team that I ever really fell in love with as far as Celtic's concerned, that, that Tommy Burns team um, around sort of... So, so Tom signed in 1995 and was was one of the first ones signed, but was signed around the same time as De Canio, Van Hoydonk, Cadet. Um, and, and that first real influx of, of foreign players and, and the glamour that was associated with those players coming in was was a really exciting feature of being a Celtic supporter at that time. We had been through the, the late 80s and early 90s, but the early 90s especially, where, you know... Winning trophies was not a given for us. We we were nearly went out of existence, um, and and the signing of players like Andreas Tom just signified something about hope for the future, hope for something fresh and something new, and and a, a future in which Celtic were looking to try and be ambitious and and take on a Rangers team who, um now we know at least we're illegitimately um sort of doping themselves up financially um to to dominate Scottish football around that time and 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 Tom along with the the three amigos kind of signified this this yeah this hope for the future exactly what I said um signed for us um in 1995 for around 2.25 million, 2.2 million, which at that time is not an insignificant amount of money, especially for a Scottish football club. So we saw him as a, 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 a as a pretty significant outlay. Went on to win a League Cup with us, made 15 appearances in that team that that um, won the league in 1998, um, which was our first title in over a decade, uh, just about a decade, sorry, um, and and. Yeah, I, I think I think his impact was absolutely huge. I mean, the fact that I made that tweet, which as you saw there, um, was seen over a hundred twenty thousand times, was liked by over eight hundred people, shared far and wide. This is a guy who, if he hadn't made the impact that he did, we wouldn't have immediately had him spring to mind when the person said what they said. And again, I want to stress here, the person saying that. God knows we've all made errors in what we've said, uh, uh, me especially. Um, but what it gave us an opportunity to do when the person did say that was say, no, there is history here that we can share and we can talk about and learn from, and and Andreas Tom is that. The other really interesting fact about Andreas Tom, uh, I'm pretty sure this is true, so don't quote me on it, but I'm Pretty sure he's the first ever player to have represented both East Germany and the fully unified German national team. Because if you remember, um, before the Berlin Wall came down and before Germany was unified, it was the West German team who was the the kind of dominant team during that period of division. They were the one where... Obviously, the country had the most level of prosperity in the west of Germany, and they had the the most biggest talent pool of players compared to East Germany. I think it was actually West Germany officially that won the nineteen ninety World Cup, <coughs> and Andreas Tom had been representing East Germany, 
and then went on to represent the unified Germany when they reunified uh, after the 1990 World Cup. And... Um, to be a player that did that is not an insignificant feat. It's 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 a real marker of history, I think, and, and, and something that I'm I'm sure he is proud of and something that as a Celtic supporter we should be proud of having had that player on our books. Um Uncle Nobby Steamboat, thank you very much for your support last week. I hope you really enjoyed the show with Tony. Um it's good to see you again. Um Robert Farrell is in with the little football and smiley face. That's I mean that's fantastic um htc king coming in with a comment says still underwhelmed with the transfer window if girona bid above 15 million i think celtic will sell and they will say bernardo's his replacement gambling with the title is what the board does we are going to get on to matt o'reilly so we will discuss that but we're just talking a little bit about some other issues at the moment andreas tom what are your guys thoughts and and, and memories of the guy the the big memories that everybody has is the the two goals in the in the match against Dundee United, the League Cup victory, and then obviously that absolute screamer against um uh the old Rangers at Ibrooks. And and the thing to remember about this, I can't stress this highly enough. I know that most of the people watching this are of an uh, an, an older crowd than than some that won't remember this. But I looked back through some of the results. Andreas Tom played for Celtic at a time when we could go entire seasons without beating Rangers in the league. Like it was, it was not. We were in a better position than we had been in the early nineties by the time he signed, but we were by no means anywhere near um, toppling them or anything like that. And his stint at the club between August of ninety five and January of ninety eight, when he left halfway through that title winning season. They really, he really did help get the club back on its feet, get the club back to a position where we were one of the dominant forces and be, then went on to become the dominant force in Scottish player. Um, I think he I think he deserves credit for that. You know, I, 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 the statistics that I shared about him having contributed 15 appearances to that league winning side, some people sort of said, well, 15 games, so what? It was eight starts and seven off the bench or whatever, and he only scored three goals in the league that season. But A, every player who contributed to that title win deserves to be recognised. And B, it's not actually just about that season. It's what about about what he did and what he signified when he came into the club and how he helped get us back on our feet. Um, I, I, I really, really love the guy. In fact, I was talking to my sister today about it. <laughs> Um, and I said I was going to be talking about Andy Tom tonight. She says, oh, I loved Andy Tom. I loved Andy Tom. And that's that's the first thing you hear a lot of people say. That kind of... The the um, the kind of memories that he evokes and the nostalgia that he evokes is, is, is really valuable. Um, Paul from a Celtic State of Mind says again, Andy Tom was also in the sh- shortlist for the 1985 Ballon d'Or. Now, I don't know if that's a typo. If it, well, it must be a typo because I don't think he was on the shortlist when he was at Celtic. So, But um, that's a fantastic little bit of trivia there. Um, and you don't get on the shortlist for a Ballon d'Or without being a decent footballer. Uncle Nobby Steamboat says, um, love Dandy Tom. Um, by God, he could hit a ball. I, oh, honest to goodness. I know I know. everybody talks about uh, Jorg Alberts at Rangers and how he, he was a... Uh, he could hit a ball, but it must have been something in the, the German genes because uh, 
because Andy Tom could certainly do it as well. Yeah, that's, that was the lyric to the song. I was trying to remember, Jake, uh, if it goes like a bomb and it's not Andy Tom, it's Tecano. Um I think the other line I remember, or the other two lines were, if the ball's in the net and it's not George Cadet, it's Tecano. If the ball's in the air and it's not Big Pierre, it's Tecano. Yeah, I do I do remember that song. It was it was great. Hoopy67 says, this brings back some memories. This is This is what I love to do. That's what I love to do. I love to sit and talk about the history of the club and how we got to the point that we're at because situations like that with the press conference, they're not to be, people aren't to be scoffed at if they don't remember something or something goes out of their memory or or they just didn't know. You know, you can't help when you did or didn't support a team you can't help when you were or weren't born and you can't help the pressure of the situation I've been in um I I was I remember doing a pitch side interview for Axon when I was there um and I just slip of the tongue said to Marco Tilio I think I said the phrase you're you're just another in a long line of Australians. And then I thought to myself, what a disrespectful way to address the guy. Like, he's not just another. What I meant to say was, you're another in a long line or you're yet another in a long line or something like that. But the word, use of the word just, I thought, he's going to think I'm an absolute idiot and not want to answer the question. But, but speaking as somebody who's been there in that position, there's a pressure to it and a, and a, a kind of desire to get your question right that maybe means that certain aspects of it that you're not focusing on mean that you slip up slightly so I'm although I made the comment I made in reaction to it it was really only to get the discussion going um and and, and I hope I hope I did Uncle Nobby's steamboat says love the hoodie I, I I mentioned it at the start of the show this is from a company called um upper tier clothing you can go and see them on instagram i'll have a link in the description of this video once the the live show is over um but they do some really good stuff they're just starting out and they've got um some celtic stuff some stuff from the other lot um they've got lots of scottish football stuff and some retro stuff from all over europe coming um they really are um going to be hopefully doing a lot more and, and i really appreciate them sending this over for me um Martin says Andy Tom was a decent player overshadowed by the other three listen he may well have been overshadowed by the other three I don't think that is in any way a, a, a diss on the guy the other three were particularly particularly good players and, and to be overshadowed by them uh, is, is is no nothing to be ashamed of I don't think um, but yeah that's that's my thoughts. Andy Tom, get in the comments if you uh, can think of anybody that you um, that you can remember. Give me your thoughts on Andy Hinkle as well. There was a lot of people saying to me about Andreas Hinkle. Um, he was a fantastic player. Andy was like I I, I think he um, I think a lot of the time we could have been doing with a right back as good as Andy Hinkle over the years. But I, I, for whatever reason, he kind of maybe it was the fact he didn't play for us for too long or. Um, or, or or something like that, but he doesn't get remembered by an awful lot of folk, and and it was that discussion again that that kind of brought him to the fore. 
Um, so yeah, let us know. There have been a few um, less uh, celebrious Germans to have take, to have worn the hoops. Um, and I'll encourage anybody to go and watch the the um, go and watch the press conference with with Nicholas Kuhn, in which he mentions the 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 great Marvin Comper. Um, and he does make a little bit of a joke at his expense, but it was all in good taste. It was all in good taste. Um, there's another comment from um, Son of Scotland 67 says, Evening Laura, Hoodie looks very nice indeed. Great show the other day with Tony Haggerty. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Um, Tony was very gracious to come on the platform. He doesn't have to do that. And I, and I value him and anybody who wants to come on the platform when it's still in its infancy like this. Um, I, I've had the pleasure and the honour of throughout my time writing blogs and being on Twitter and then most significantly through my contributions to Axom to, to have got to know a lot of these people. And it, it doesn't um, it doesn't go um, unnoticed to me that... that they don't have to come on this platform and the fact that they do is a real um a real pleasure and a real um honor. So I really um I really think that that's something that I really appreciate. If you want to see the interview with Tony Haggerty, if you want to see my interview with Liam Carrigan, if you want to see my interview with Alan Morrison, they're all up in the channel right now. So get subscribed down below, click the link, um, do all that kind of good stuff, and you can get that content um and that will continue weekly going forward. Um, on to the next unfortunate piece of news, um, which uh, which uh, I'll just pull up in a little second. Um, we got some news that my main man, Matt O'Reilly, he's been linked with a move away. He's been linked with a move to Girona. Now, when I first heard it and when I first thought about it, I think, like very, very many people, I was thinking, no way he's going to Girona. It's it's Girona, you know. Celtic are a bigger club than them. Um, we can offer him more in terms of European football. We can offer him more in terms of, of, of playing for a, a club with a, a larger global reach. Um, but when you actually think about it, it's not as ridiculous a, a suggestion as some might think. As it says here, um, Girona are a city group club uh, owned by the same owners as Manchester City and they've been monitoring the midfielders' progress throughout the course of the campaign. The city group link is what worries me about this potential um, transfer because, as we know, through Mark Lowell, through... Um, our links with the City Group. We have secured the services of Ange Postacoglu. We've secured the services of Daniel Arzani, Marco Tilio. I could name uh, who else? Jason Denier. We have a history of doing deals and being very closely linked to the City Group. And so the fact that Girona are linked with that group is concerning. And the fact that they are, I think, either top or very near the top of the La Liga this season makes them a much more tempting prospect for Matt O'Reilly than they might otherwise have been. I, They would need to smash their own transfer record, which I believe is around €6 million Euros or something like that. They would need to absolutely smash that in order to tempt Celtic to sell. But I am concerned that Celtic 
with the board that we have will take an amount of money for Matt O'Reilly that is significantly lower than the amount of money you would like them to take. Um, my personal position on it is, and I tweeted something to this effect um, when the story first broke, is I think Matt O'Reilly knows that uh, it's in his best interests uh, to stick it out for another six months. Says there, O'Reilly is currently contracted to Celtic until May 2027, putting the Parkhead Club in a strong position to negotiate a fear hold on to the player. I personally think O'Reilly's intelligent enough. Brendan Rodgers knows how good he is. We've got the Euros coming up. I think Brendan Rodgers' best option would be to say to him, listen, you're settled at Celtic right now. You're having an absolute flyer of a season. You are um, probably having the best season of your career at the moment. If you continue the way that you are, there's a very strong chance you'll make the Denmark squad for the Euros because I think, as far as I'm aware, they have qualified. So it's a strong enough situation for him to be in that you tempt him to stay with that and then if he gets into the squad and if he has a good Euros and off the back of the season that he's had so far, he's in a really strong position to then be able to pick from a plethora of clubs that that um, that he might not otherwise have had the chance to, to, to pick from. Obviously, Inter Milan were linked with him before. There's rumours about Aston Villa, PSV Eindhoven, Atletico Madrid, all of those. Now they they that could all be paper talk, but it won't be paper talk if he if he goes on to have a second half of the season the way he has had, and, and then and really secure a place in that Denmark team. Your concern for him would be that if he moves in the middle of the season, that he's going to have a bedding in period in Spain. He's going to have an adjustment period to make. Uh, during that time, there's no guarantee he'll make it into the team regularly, uh, and he could end up having a patchy six months that leaves him in a much worse off position. I think anybody sensible around him would be telling him to hold his horses until the summer, especially as well, considering 2027 is, is you know, another three years away, even in the summer. So it's not as if, you know, it's two years is the magic number a lot of the time now for, for footballers in terms of getting a move or signing a new contract because they know that, when there's two years left in the contract, that's when they still have an amount of value for the selling club. I think it would be in his best interest um, to to hang around. Uh, but let me know what you think in the comments. <coughs> um, Daniel McAlpine says, Hi from South Africa. Uh, I enjoyed you and Tony. Hail, hail. Thank you very much. You might have taken the biscuit for the um, furthest away viewer I've ever had so far. So... Um, yeah, I really appreciate you, you tuning in. Uh, in relation to Matt O'Reilly, Martin says, it's not a point of discussion, rejected and not for sale at that price, no chance. Brendan Rodgers did say in a press conference today that apparently there had been no official bid made. But as we all know, that's not really an indication of whether there is or isn't interest and whether there will or won't be a bid. There may just be a possibility that they're holding out until nearer the end of the window and thinking they can force her hand. Um, uh, Hoopy67 says, Matt's a smart lad. I believe he will be here till the summer. I'll be gutted if he does go. I think you'll have to um, 
probably console yourself with the fact, Hoopy, that he will go in the summer. I do believe he'll go in the summer, but I really hope he does stay um, until then, at least. Um, uh, Son of Scotland 67 says, we all know if the price is right, Celtic will consider it, but I would think it would be 25 plus, uh, 25 million plus. We would need, we need him to win this league. Um, Robert Farrell says the amount of assists would be a big miss. And this is the thing as well, Robert. Um, that's a really fair point because everybody's talking about how he needed to add goals to his game and he has added goals to his game this season. But he has also been a big assist maker. Even if it doesn't translate to the stats exactly, he's been involved in the build-up to most goals, even if he's not been the final assist maker. He's really been the creative force through which a lot of the stuff that the good stuff that we've done going forward has has happened this season and that is going to be as big a miss if not a bigger miss than the goals even though he's done really well to add them to his game as well so yeah I absolutely agree with that um Jake Hill Hill says um if the board sell Matt in January the support and Brendan won't be pleased to say the least yeah I mean you've got to be wondering what would be going on in Brendan's head if it did happen because we all know that uh, Brendan vocalised the fact he would like something like four players or something like that at the start of the window, and it certainly doesn't look like we're going to get four players. I think there's talk of maybe, in addition to Kuhn, maybe another two loan signings in. So even then, it would be three signings and only one of them permanent. That's nowhere near what um, what was suggested would be the case uh, going forward. So, uh, yeah. I would love to be a fly in the wall in Brendan Rogers' office if O'Reilly does go because it would be another sort of confirmation to him that the board value finances and secure finances over um, player acquisition or player performance on the pitch, um, which would be frustrating to say the least. Uh, and... In addition to that, Uncle Nobby Steam's boat says, um, you know how out of touch the, this board are. You just know they're going to sell him and buy Bernardo, thinking that'll keep the fans happy. I mean, I would be happy with the Bernardo purchase if he continues to play the way he has been playing, say, the last three or four matches. But his sort of improvement has only been very recent and would need to be much more... <coughs> would need to be much more pronounced than it's been and much more long lasting than it's been for it to be considered um worth making the worth making the the move permanent, I would say. Um but yeah, I think it's I think it's a it is a difficult one. All, all the comments coming in suggest so. Um, Daniel McAlpine again from South Africa says Matt O'Reilly knows how big Celtic are and he won't move uh, for that club, Rogers will chat to him. He'll, he'll. I really hope that's the case, and I and I think that would be. I think that's where maybe I'm. I'm hoping he has a little bit longer sightedness about it because Girona are having a fantastic season this season, but there's nothing to say that that's going to um, continue. Thanks everybody for for watching. This is really good to have um, so many people in the in the. In the chat and everything like that, I really am enjoying engaging with you guys uh, in the live show. Um, for anybody listening afterwards, make sure and leave us a review or a comment underneath. Um, all that engagement is really good for the podcast and getting it out there to other people. Really appreciate it. Um, Hoopy67 says, what are we thinking about the Cameron Carter-Vicker rumours? Right. 
this is where I have a bit of a hot take coming in. And where if I tweeted it, I'd probably get absolutely roasted, but I can say it in the pod and hopefully not get absolutely lambasted for it. Cameron Carter-Vickers is without doubt the best defender we have. He's without doubt the best defender in Scotland. And he's without doubt one of the best defenders we've had in the last, say, 30 years. When I was on the Axom charity stream weekender, he made it into the team that Paul John and I put together of the best Celtic eleven since 2000, alongside, uh, I think, Johan Mialbe and Virgil van Dijk. So I am not sitting here saying he is not a fantastic defender. He is. He's the best defender, maybe the best defender I've seen in a Celtic shirt, I would say. However, the injuries are concerning me. The recurrent nature of the injuries, the seriousness of those injuries, the fact that as we sit here in January, coming to the end of the winter break, I believe he has missed more games than he's played this season. And that is trailing on from a bunch of injuries that afflicted and ended his season early last season. I do not want a fit and firing Cameron Carter-Vickers to leave Celtic. However, I think there's every reason to say, and I am saying it, that if the price is right, I would consider letting him go because... I'm not convinced that his injury problems are going to get to a stage where he is regularly playing for us again. And I think, therefore, that if we could convince somebody to pay enough money for him, then we should take that money. It's an opinion that I had about Kieran Tierney when he left for Arsenal because I felt like his injury problems meant that he wasn't quite the player that a lot of people cracked him up to be. Um... And that's gone on to be proved correct. He was dogged by injuries uh, throughout his time at Arsenal. He's had another couple injuries during his time at Real Sociedad. And there's no denying the talent of Kieran Tierney or Cameron Carter-Vickers. But the million, the minute that injuries become a, a significant factor in a player's career, then that becomes a concern for me. What is the what is the saying that people say nowadays? The best ability is availability. And if he's not available, it doesn't matter how talented he is. Now, that is not going to go down with a lot of people very well. Um, And I think maybe that's because people can't see beyond the ability that he has because it is so massive, that ability. But there's no point in having it if it's on the physio bench a lot of the time and I think that's that's the case for me um, Uncle Nobby's steamboat must have said this while I was talking I feel a buck coming it did indeed come um, Martin says if we get 15 million plus for CCV I would make it I would take it as his injury is starting to be an issue and his age now so um, maybe not as maybe not as um, controversial an opinion as I was worrying it would be um, Son of Scotland though makes a good point says um, maybe the injuries will put people off buying them in the first place. So there's there's two sides to the coin. You're in a bit of a catch-22. We might want to suggest that he can go because of the injury situation, but actually, does that mean that he'll be less likely to find suitors? 
who knows that's the that's the situation we 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 find ourselves in that was a nice wee aside that one I wasn't expecting to talk about Cameron Carter Vickers but I um but I did uh I did think that was a decent wee discussion point let me know what you you think in the in the comments I would really like to hear your thoughts on Cameron Carter Vickers I'm always worried these days when I when I make statements like that because I know it goes a little bit against the grain um if you were asking me right now about a fit Cameron Carter Vickers then absolutely no way I would want to hold on to him but we're living in a world where that's not the consideration you you would end up straying into that territory we all strayed into with with Lee Griffiths towards the end of his time at Celtic where it was like oh a fit and fire in Lee Griffiths gets you 50 goals a season or whatever it was people used to say but the fact of the matter is he wasn't fit and firing towards the end of his time and therefore he wasn't getting the goals and so you have to consider whether that's something that you take into consideration when deciding whether you want to keep him on and if you don't if you can't see him playing like for example right sitting here right now I don't know how many games Cameron Carter Vickers is going to play between now and the end of the season I would like to think that he'll come back in and be in a stalwart at the back from now to the end of the season but there's no evidence to suggest that's going to be the case I also do wonder whether we need to start looking at training regimes and stuff like that because I think the number of injuries we get all over the pitch is, is not all down to luck, personally. But I've been saying that for a year or more. Um, but yeah, Robert Farrell, fair enough, says, uh, no way, still keep him and see what happens in the summer. Would keep him for another year, then sell him. He has been at the club a few years now. I get what you mean, but there's, there's a worry there for me that is his age and another 18 months down the line potential more injuries just going to mean he becomes one of these players who we can't get moved on um, and he won't be on an insignificant wage either so um, uh, Sons of Scotland makes a good point there says that he thinks uh, uh, BR will be selective and when CCV plays to keep him injury free it might become one of those situations we all know players Ledley Kings the famous example but players who didn't train as regularly as most players and didn't um, necessarily play every game, but the ones that they did play was worth having them for. So, um, yeah. That's an interesting point from Martin, actually. He says, um, CCV hasn't been half the players since Starfield left. Uh, shows how good Starfield was as a defender. Yeah, I think that... Um, I think... And I'm certainly am victim of this. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't particularly rate Carol Starfield. I've said it a number of times but the assumption was always that CCV made Starfield the better player maybe there was a little bit of both going on who knows who knows but we will um we'll see to close out the show guys we are 50 nearly 50 minutes into the show and to close it out I want to get your thoughts on the return to action this Sunday of Celtic against Bucky Thistle in the Scottish Cup now Brendan Rodgers said in an interview with Celtic TV earlier this week that as 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 he would always say, uh, the professionalism of the players and the management and coaching staff shouldn't be questioned. They are going to take this as seriously as as you would expect them to. It is an opposition that they're facing that although in a significantly lower league, they still have to play and still have to beat. But, you know, without being too disrespectful, you have to assume that 
whatever team we put out would be too strong for them. And so I want to get your thoughts. Is this a is this a game where you want to see us back to the fullest strength that we can be? Obviously, um, we won't have Maeda or Hatati back. Um, but do you think that we should be going all guns blazing apart from that? Or, as I asked earlier on Twitter this week, um, is there a youngster that you want to see taking a, sh- a, a shot? Um, Frame that played against Feyenoord, who I thought did pretty well. I'm surprised we haven't seen more of him. I would be interested to see if he'll maybe make an appearance. Um, there's, uh, you know, Mackenzie Cars. I would have actually liked to have seen, but he's obviously gone on loan to Queen's Park. Um, but is there any youngsters or any players who aren't getting a regular game that you would like to see? Let me know. Um, it's 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 going to be a strange one because obviously there's not much to know about Bucky Thistle if you don't follow the Highland League, which I and I'm sure a number of people here don't. Um, and it might be disrespectful to say it, but as I said at the beginning of the show with my discussion about um, Kuhn, it's really an opportunity, I think, for Celtic players who are maybe a bit low on confidence or looking to break a duck or looking to get back into the team, having been out with injury and things like that. It's an opportunity for them to, uh, you know, stake their claim, if you like. I mean, I'm not saying having an out-of-this-world performance against Bucky Thistle for Celtic is going to be a career changer, but surely if you're a goal scorer or if you're a guy who likes making assists or a guy who likes getting clean sheets or whatever, you've got to see this as an opportunity. I, I really think so. Um, uh, there you go. Son of Scotland says, uh, um, put this one to bed in the first half, then see a few fringe players. That would be a really interesting way to do it. Um, Uncle Nobby's Steamboat um, says that uh, it's a good shout from Hoopy. The shout from Hoopy being this. I would like to see Odin Tiago home play on Sunday. Do you know something? See Odin Tiago home. He's one of those players that I kind of forget we have sometimes. Like he's he's showed a few flashes of brilliance and he's obviously got skill and he obviously believes in himself, but he's kind of fallen out of the discussion with people. Like he's not even mentioned when it's talked about when Hatati was going away for the Asian Cup, I didn't hear very many people saying, oh, get, get Thiago home in. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, Martin says, um, I think young home will be Matt O'Reilly's replacement. Bernardo was meant to uh, be Hatati's if he left. So, listen, I, th- I, think there, I think you could say all sorts. <coughs> I think one thing that we're maybe doing a little bit quickly there is is assuming that there's been a plan in place, which we don't know that there definitely has been. Um, so it'll be interesting to figure out where the place is for for home in the future and whether we make the Bernardo sign in permanent. Because although I'm pretty sure O'Reilly, if he doesn't go in January, will go in the summer. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the same happened with Atati. So you might be right. We might be needing um replacements for for both of them and and hopefully um home would would fit the bill and and if we then got bernardo they would fit the bill as well so it'll be interesting to see but let me know if you think anybody else should be 
uh, considered uh, for um, for the Bucky Thistle game. Before we finish off, one more story that I wanted to talk about that um, I don't know if anybody will have caught. But I saw this on the Celtic Way, um, which is the publication that uh, Tony, who was on the show last week, is a part of. They've got some great stuff there. But we heard from our old friend, Vasilis Barkas. And he warned people about joining Celtic. Let me see if I can find what he said. He said, at Celtic, I didn't feel like I was an important part of the team. But maybe it wasn't even the team's fault. It was a COVID year. Everything was different. For the first six months, I didn't know my teammates. We were all in different dressing rooms. Celtic are a huge club, but I wouldn't recommend any goalkeeper to go there. Now, that, to me, sounds like such a contradiction in terms. Because he's acknowledged that when he was there, COVID was in full swing. I think he signed in summer 2020. Um, It was at the harshest point of lockdown and, and he talks about how all his teammates were in different dressing rooms and all that. I don't think as a professional footballer you can blame a club for having perhaps treated you a bit worse than they should have in that time period. The same as I don't think any football fan or any club should blame any player who played poorly at that time. And I actually think that Barkas got the benefit of the doubt from a lot of Celtic fans after he left, who realised with the benefit of hindsight that actually these players are human beings and the circumstances in which they were being asked to come into the club and just get on with playing football they were the most extreme circumstances. He was probably holed up in a hotel most of the time, couldn't go out and socialise anywhere. Listen, I don't need to explain all this stuff. We all lived through lockdown. But my point is, uh, he he had already received that goodwill from Celtic supporters who were willing to say, listen, it didn't work out. See you later, kind of thing. To come out and tell people you shouldn't go to Celtic because I didn't have a good time when I was there during the COVID pandemic is ridiculous. The guy the guy did not play well for us. And although I'm not willing to berate him because we all know that there's potential that the mental side of things really affected him and, and caused him not to play well, if that's the case, you just shake hands and you move on. To to bring it up nearly four years later and suggest that he should have any influence on what other players do or don't do in terms of coming to Celtic it's bordering on unprofessional for me. I think he, I think he should have just, you know, thanked his lucky stars. He's still got a professional football career to speak of after that time period, and 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 moved on. Because I don't think anybody else was sitting here saying, "Oh, remember Vasilis Barkas." We're wanting to forget him as much as he's wanting to forget us, and and unfortunately, he's done himself a bit of a disservice in terms of the goodwill that he maybe was fostering from some Celtic fans by blaming the club and blaming other factors for a situation in which he couldn't help the situation he found themselves in, the club couldn't help the situation they found themselves in, and it just didn't work out. Time for everybody to move on. That's my opinion on the matter. But uh, I, I think that, I think that's that. Uncle Nobby Steamboat says, um, I think it sounds... Uh, Sounds like sour grapes. Hoopy said he thought he, he thought he looked decent in his appearances. 
I really hope that was Tiago Home you were talking about and not <laughs> not Barkas, but I, I didn't I wasn't keeping track of the comments as as they were coming in. So um thanks very much everybody for for watching tonight. I've really enjoyed being back on the live stream with you all. Um if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, please um follow and leave a five star review if you can. If you're watching on YouTube, please go and subscribe and like the video and do all of that. Yeah, Hoopy didn't mean Barkas, thank God for that. Thank God for that. Um, but yeah, thanks everybody for watching. Do all the good stuff I've asked you to do. Come on the hoops. We're back this weekend uh, and the world will be right again. Um, and we'll be back next Friday at 7pm to talk about um, the outcome of that game and where the rest of our season leaves us. See you later, everybody. <laughs>